Here that podcast growling is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Look, you can go to the Bengals game against the Steelers, and trust me, you'll be able to find some seriously cheap tickets. But the cheapest tickets to be able to find would be from using game time. Or you're saying, screw it, I'm not going to any more Bengals games. Look, I did see Billy Joel was about to play at Great American Ballpark. Go see Billy Joel. Get cheap Billy Joel tickets as well. The game time app is simple. It's quick and it's easy to navigate. Download the game time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. edition of Hear That Podcast, Growling, Paul Dieter Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. We win occasionally, unlike the Bengals, and so we're not 0-10, but we're all, we do show up, we challenge ourselves and play hard every week. We fight to the end of every podcast. No quit in us. No quit. No quit. We're here. We're just going to keep going unless, like, Thanksgiving we might try to come up with another plan. That's not quitting. <laughs> That's just taking a little break. Just to take – is that what they call it? Is that what we would call it if they if they just decided to, like, forfeit the fourth quarter day on this Sunday? <laughs> it's not quitting. It's just taking a little break. It's been a rough one. Okay? Load management. <laughs> oh, man. We all need some load management right now. Uh, yeah, so uh, we've got we've got stuff, though. Stuff keeps happening, Jay. It really does. Um, so we, we've got some stuff to get to. Tyler Boyd um, popped off a little bit, isn't super happy with the fact that he only got targeted three times and had zero yards on Sunday. Um, we have more quarterback. We can dive a little further in the quarterback. The After two two crappers by Finley. The heat has sort of uh, kicked up a little bit on Zach Taylor's decision. I think um, it's a good chance to dive back into that one a little bit more and, and assess kind of exactly what is happening uh, with Ryan Finley and, and all that's going on there. Um, we can talk a little bit about the senior bowl, which I know maybe gets people excited to think about something besides this season. Uh, but the Bengals look like a front runners to be coaching down there and what that could mean. Um, we're a little, a little behind, uh, behind the curtain with Zach Taylor talking about a few different topics, but also talking about the idea of Owen 16. And <laughs> as that gets, I always use the same analogy with stuff and it's from Apollo 13 when, uh, Tom Hanks really wants those reentry plans and he just tells him, look, uh, the earth's starting to get real big in that window. You know, and uh, I think that's kind of where we're at right now, where Owen uh, 16 is starting to get real big in that window. And uh, every, it's, it's now officially a topic as, as the Bengals head down the home stretch without a win. Um, I've got a really good run passer boot, I think. I think that does involve the end of this season. So we got that to get to. Jay's, of course, going to have stats. 
Lots going on. Okay, yeah, for the stats, I looked up, uh, it seems like it's a, a weekly thing with this team, but you're, you're looking at historical perspective and, and where they rank among the worst in, in some certain categories. So, um, there is uplifting. One, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, it, it's hard to come up with anything uplifting with this team. It should uh, be now Jay's sad stats of the week at this point. <laughs> there, there, there are some where they, they have really no shot of being the worst in history. So maybe that's uplifting a little bit, yeah. but there, there, there is one where they are right there. Uh, and possibly, I mean, right there for one of the worst performances in NFL history. So I don't know if we want to get to these right away or if we want to save these for later. Let's save, let's save it. Let's save it. Good tease, okay. quality tease. At some point, I think we should start challenging ourselves to have a stat that uh, correlates the Bengals with a franchise that's no longer in existence every single week. I need more Los Angeles Don stats. That's what I need. Well, my problem with this one is I only did since the merger, so maybe I need uh, to uh, – what a cop a out. Deeper. I want leather helmets. <laughs> when you do that, it's not just the Los Angeles Dons. You know who else always crops up are the Dayton Triangles, which yeah. is just, the irony of that. The whole Dayton Triangles thing was the reason the Bengals practiced in Dayton anyhow this year. And the uh, day kind of, the season died. Right. I mean, they, they actually thought about practicing on this old park field and yeah. that was too rocky for him so they they went to the slightly more pristine well the old park was was stadium. on uh it was an indian barrel indian barrel ground. yes and that became a whole issue in, in dayton and that they could that they had to go somewhere else so really it all goes back to that really <laughs> the season really kind of died before it even started when when they discovered it was indian burial ground That's the indian ghosts are like yeah we'll show you try to practice on our field <laughs> Even though the they Indian ghosts mind. of Bo Jackson's descent, somehow there's got to be a connection there. It's a new curse. The new curse. To, they've merged with an old curse to create like a succubus curse. It's just <laughs> super huge. Uh, this is great. Let's go. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Tyler Boyd popping off. Um, so yesterday in, in Money's Open, I, I, I went up to Tyler after the game. Um, in, in fairness, I wasn't even going to talk about the game because I was writing on tape and uh, he's like, no, I didn't do nothing. I don't want to talk. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Like he's kind of taking that approach where he wants to gather his thoughts and come back the next day a few times and has, and that was the case again this time. And on Monday he had gathered his thoughts and decided that uh, he still wanted to kind of pop off a little bit about the fact that he didn't get enough looks, didn't get enough targets, particularly in some big spots. When you go back and look at that fourth and four where Finley chooses to throw up a ball deep to Damian Willis in his, I believe that was like his sixth snap of the game, uh, you know, instead of trying to hit Boyd who was open over the middle or Geo who was open on the other side, you know, you can make that call and throw that. But if you're Tyler Boyd, like that's tough. That's your moment. You're, Tyler, you're the best player out there. That's your moment on fourth and four to make a play and you get yourself open and the dude won't throw you the ball. I get it. But this is what happens when you change quarterbacks. This is what happens when you bring in Ryan Finley. You bring in pissing off your receivers because they're not going to get the same looks. They're not going to get the same targets. They're not going to have the same quality decision-making that you expect, that, they, that they've come accustomed to. It's going to hurt their numbers. It's going to hurt the team. And this is what happens. This is part of that decision. And that, I mean, that's part of what 
I think the decision making was the biggest part of that where, cause you know, Brian Callahan said that, that Finley looks out there and he sees Damian Willis has press coverage, single, you know, corner press coverage over there and he's got the green light to make that throw. But, you know, if, if that's Andy Dalton, if that's an experienced quarterback, you're, you, even though that is a good look, is that's, that's the third and four play you want taking that shot down the field when you know you're going to go for it on fourth and then you come back with a, with a higher percentage throw, you look for a guy like Tyler Boyd and, and, you know, th- this isn't just Tyler Boyd spouting off and saying, I was open. They didn't get me the ball. Brian Callahan told us, yes, Tyler Boyd was open on that play. Giovanni Bernard was open on that play on a little hitch. Both of those would have been much higher percentage throws. So I get Tyler Boyd's frustration there. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, he, he wants to win. It's not, it's not a selfish thing. He's not talking about numbers. He's that, that was the best chance for them to, to tie that game, to convert that fourth down and, and for him to not throw it to Tyler Boyd. That, that's gotta be frustrating. And it's not just that play. They had a bunch of third downs in Oakland territory at the end of that game, mm-hmm. in that, in that fourth quarter, third quarter even, that they didn't convert. I, I was going back over and over those. And there's a couple of those where Tyler does get he does break past the guy and and get open to and Finley doesn't throw it to him, and it's just you know when you're used to being the go-to guy in that situation in the mind of your quarterback and all of a sudden that quarterback doesn't even look at you and you're doing the same stuff, it's yeah it makes you mad because you feel like you're out there doing your job and the guy doesn't know how to get it to you or can't get it to you who knows, um, but that is part of this and that's uh the the unfortunate aspect of it is you you decide to make these decisions and this is what happens like this is what this is what it is man he's a backup quarterback you're, you're discovering that maybe he's not very good and that means your receivers are going to be left out in the cold sometimes and th- i mean this happened too with andy that that first game in baltimore where tyler boyd was kind of a non-factor but that was marlon humphrey just completely shutting down Tyler Boyd and the, and the Ravens saying this guy's not going to beat us. That wasn't really the case in Oakland. It, like you said, Boyd was open at times, and and Finley for whatever reason. Maybe that's just part of what we're we're seeing is it that you know Brian Callahan talked about it after his debut game where he thought the decision making was good. It was some of the physical stuff, and now maybe in game two, maybe things are starting to you know present some challenges there where he's where. Finley's just thinking a little too fast in his head and he's he's getting dialed in on on one option and not finding the other guys but you would think you would think he would start with Tyler Boyd I mean he's he's so clutch fourth down third down like you said those are his downs that's where he is at his best and uh it, it just it didn't happen in Oakland um Maybe against Pittsburgh, that would be a good time to, to for Ryan to redeem himself and go after Tyler a little bit more. But I mean, that's it's not in Pittsburgh. The game is here, but I think that game always has a little extra meaning for for Tyler Boyd being from Pittsburgh. Uh, it would be a good time to to kind of I don't want to say mend that fence. It's not like there's a a chasm there, but you, you do want to keep that guy happy. Yeah, there was a discussion with. Both Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan on Monday about moments that call for players and not plays, and you, and, the, and both admitted that that is a something that they believe in is that you you call for players in certain spots because you just you want them to be the guys to do it, and and that's part of the equation, and I think that's part of it. But if you're new, you're you've got so so much going on, 
and maybe you're just not thinking that way yet. It's a lesson learned, I guess, is that sometimes you got to just go back knowing that that's where you're, you're going to go and let that guy be the guy for you. Uh, and, and, you know, that's maybe part of the fault here. Here's the thing. Ryan Finley was bad, and he's basically been bad twice. He was just particularly awful on Sunday. Was not helped uh, in some instances. I mean, you get a screen to Joe Mixon that is going to be wide open that's dropped. You get another screen that doesn't that, – you know, stuff that should be easily turned into big gains that can – you know, 13 for 31 for 115 looks a lot different than 15 for 31 for 175 or whatever – uh, which is, you know, stuff that's not his fault, stuff that should have been easily accomplished, and it wasn't, but that's part of it. Here's the thing. I had to go back and look because, you know, Jay, you're not the only one that's got sad stats. <laughs> so I had to look up Andy Dalton's entire career. I'll just let you try to guess. We haven't talked about this. In 128 regular season games for Andy Dalton, how many games do you think he had a completion percentage of less than 41.9 in 128? Uh, oh, 41.9. Um, that was, was Finley's completion percentage on Sunday was 41.9. I would say zero. One. The, 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 2 the Cleveland 2.0 game was the only the only game in 128 appearances the only game where he had a completion percentage of less than 41.9 he's only had 7 games out of 128 with a completion percentage below 50 and Finley was almost right on 50 uh in his opener and then obviously had that in, in the last game uh Passer rating of 39. Dalton's only had three games with a passer rating of lower than 39 in his career. And only three games of yards per attempt less than 3.7, which was Finley's marks on Sunday. You know, it's a guy in his second start, and there's an aspect to that. But, you know, this is... (laughs) This was abysmal. And this is nothing that Dalton has ever been. Really, even in his rookie year, I mean, he's really never been this guy as far as production, as far as efficiency, as far as all those things. And uh, you know, I, it tell. I think it, we may we may have already learned all we need to know about Ryan Finley. He could get better, and it's very possible. But we may be already learning all we need to know. Yeah, the other thing there though too to remember is that. You know, you, you talk about Dalton's rookie year. I mean, he went into that knowing he was the guy, and he was the starter. Yeah, they were they were a little behind because of the lockout, but he went into training camp taking first-team reps that entire training camp. And this is, for Finley, they just, I mean, you make a, a switch mid-season, that, that's a big deal. I mean, the, it's it's not just practice reps or not just game reps. It's, it's all those practice reps, too, that he hasn't had time to, to, to build a, you know, that chemistry with, with the receivers. And I think another big thing is, you know, he wasn't great in his debut by any means, but, you know, Brian Callahan talked about how sure he was he was going to make that leap forward, and he didn't. He regressed, and and I think a lot of that was the fact that that game was on the road, and that was it was a loud, rowdy environment. You're going to get that on the road in the NFL. It, it wasn't unique in that regard, but I, I do think that played a role. It was almost like a debut all over again because it was the first time he had to go through that and you saw him a lot with both hands over his helmet, like really trying to hear what the, the calls were coming in on the headset. 
So I, I'm not ready to completely write him off, but I do think we're, I mean, we're seeing right now what, what they wanted to see is what the, this is to find out which direction they go in April at the draft. And it, it looks right now like they are going to be dialed in on a quarterback because I can't yeah. see, I can't see Ryan Finley improving that much from these first two games to, to give them any reason to think otherwise. Jay's out here riding the excuse caboose. Yeah. <laughs> it was his first road game. I qualified it. I'm just saying that was, I think that played into it. If, if you're, it, 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 it will speed up that clock in your head if, if all of that is added to it. And, and maybe he got the soft landing. Maybe that was the reason they did it. I think it was more of the buy, the extra week of prep, all that. But, it, you know, he, he kind of eased in at home. Um, where there weren't a lot of fans at all. And that, that, that was, I, I think that contributed to the poor play. We'll see. This will be a better test, you know, coming back. Well, there are, strike that. This is going to be a road game Sunday. I mean, this, this yeah. <laughs> stadium is going to be full of Steeler fans. Yeah. It's going to be a road game and against a team that is going to, you know, end his life because their pass rush is the best in the league and the Bengals offensive line is what it is. And we already have seen what this looked like once. And now you're going to have Ryan Finley out there sent to the Wolves, um, you know, with John Jerry trying to block Bud Dupree and Bobby Hart trying to block TJ Watt and who, you know, Billy Price trying to block Cameron Hayward again. It's like, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's nothing that's going to be good about, about any of that. That's for sure. And the only playing- thing. And they're playing for their playoff lives again. I mean, they, they started yeah. so horrible that, that that Monday night game was huge for them, and now here they are again on the outside of the playoff race looking in, and a loss Sunday would – I mean, that would really put them behind the eight ball for a chance to, to make the playoffs. So, it's yeah, it's I, I, I think it's going to be ugly. What was it, eight sacks that they, they got? To eight Andy? sacks. Yeah. Yeah. So Eight and sacks and one near-death experience. <laughs> and that's, I mean, Finley, he, he, there was, there was one point in the game, I can't remember, but he got up and, uh, he was, he was noticeably limping and I thought, oh, here we go. And he, he did, he kind of shook it off and it, it must have just been, you know, something sore. But, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more of that on, uh, on Sunday against the Steelers, which can kind of serve as a tease for, uh, something later in the show as well. Yeah. Uh, what what I want to jump into now is um, bring you a little bit of, of Zach Taylor from his press conference on Monday um, and some of the conversation about Ryan Finley, some of the stuff we were just talking about, about why, you know, what they think is happening out there when you consider who he was uh, in the preseason, who they thought he was and what he hasn't been to this point and, and some of the frustrations of, of what they've seen thus far. And I want to drop in uh, Joe Daneman from Fox 19 asking Zach, about what he thinks about the vision of Owen 16 and uh, the possibility of what that could mean and how he sort of handled that. Anyway, so let's bring in that and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about um, the senior bowl where the Bengals could be, uh, you know, uh, one of the teams coaching, especially if they're Owen 16. We know what that will be. Anyway, uh, so here is uh, here is Zach Taylor from his Monday press conference. As ended up in that second half in a number of third downs in their territory mm-hmm. that you weren't able to convert. Was there a common thread in some of that stuff with Ryan that you saw that what, some of the struggles converting 
some of those those particular down, down there? I, I wouldn't say. I think the whole unit um, was responsible for some of those. You know, I, I, he has some plays he certainly would like to do over. Um, but I think everybody felt that way about themselves. And, and you're right, it did come down to those third downs for us on both sides of the ball, quite frankly. They, they converted some that put us in a bad spot, and then we didn't convert when we were across midfield, and that's ultimately what got us. And, um, you know, you could really point to a number of things, protection sometimes, drop sometimes, um, you know, uh, missed throws sometimes. You know, it, they all factored into it, and it wasn't just one main issue. They all... They all were part of it. How much for him right now in some of the areas he's having issues with is just a young quarterback trying to find timing and, and, and figure out what that is at this level right now? Is, is that a big part of it? I, I think with any young quarterback, you, you hit the nail on the head, the timing of it. Um, you know, now you're working with receivers that maybe you haven't really worked with that much over the last couple months, and now you're facing a, a starting defense, and so the timing's got to speed up a little bit. And um, there's certainly a lot of encouraging things you see from Ryan in that regard and some, some areas where, where experience is going to be the best help. And so we understand that. You know, that's that's not unexpected from some things we saw. Um, again, it's just let's not make the same mistakes twice with him. With with all of our, our rookie players, you got to learn from the, the mistakes that we make. The incompletions have been surprising to you. I mean, Graham talking about preseason, but, I mean, that was sort of the staple with him was – a lot of efficient completions, even if it was underneath stuff, was completing yeah. a lot of high percentage. And now, I mean, you know, under 50 and under 50 seems like a uncharacteristic. Right. And on. and I would attribute some some of those incompletions are, are missed throws. And some of them, you know, we had three drops, two competitive drops. So that's five right there. A couple throwaways, you know. And so there's some that factor into that. So, you know, I, I don't always look at the whatever the completion percentage was and just say, oh, there he was. He was only accurate this percentage of the time. That's that's not the way we look at it. And so sometimes that's misleading. And I, I do feel like in the last two games that is a little bit misleading. Um, so, again, he's just got to continue to get better with every every game he's got. You, you've said many times in here it's, it's about winning and, and trying to build this mm-hmm. momentum at the end of the season. Is Ryan playing – because you feel like he gives you the best chance to win? Or is Ryan playing so you can see what he can do over an eight-game stretch? Because there's a very obvious quarterback question for this organization going forward. Is it about best chance to win, or is it about sure. an audition? I, I, we wouldn't play Ryan if we didn't feel like he gave us a chance to win the game. You know, that, that he wouldn't be on the field. And so um, I see enough really encouraging things from him over his preparation of the course of the week, how he's practiced, the difference between week two to week one. In a lot of those areas, um, you can see his confidence starting to grow. And now he's playing different styles of defense each week, you know, and, the, and each one kind of gives you certain things and other things that would frustrate you and you got to learn from. And so, um, again, I, I'm encouraged by what his approach has been the last two weeks and the steps he's taking. And it's not always going to show up on every rep in every single game, but, um, you know, I, I, I feel comfortable with where we're at with him. You, you were talking yesterday about – some of the nakeds and, and play action stuff that you felt like could come off of the running game and it maybe didn't turn out as you hoped and not overthink it. But when you watch back on the tape, you say, man, I just wish we just would have maybe just run it in there a little bit more often when, when it doesn't work out the way you hoped. Yeah, we, we had an unbelievable amount of errors on our nakeds last night. It was um, very frustrating. You know, some that we felt like we had pretty good opportunities on that, that we made some errors on. And... The, the hard part is there were some times in the fourth quarter we think, all right, we just got to run the ball. We'll run the ball well, and then you get a minus two, and you, you get some tough spots there. And 
you gotta you gotta find that balance of running the ball and staying one step ahead, where you can't just let them tee off on us in the run game, and you gotta call play action and a quick game, something to get, something to get us some rhythm. And um, so there's that balance, like there is any game. But you know, we 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 had our opportunities. We drove the ball down to the twenty something yard line with however many minutes left to play, and uh, so I feel like we were doing the things that were putting ourselves in position to win. We just ultimately didn't get it done, and that that was very frustrating. You've been very adamant about the, the attitude of the team. It is not wavering. There's been no blow-up. That kind of thing hasn't happened. We fully understand no one in that room wants to be a punchline. Nobody wants to be 0-10. But when you get to 0-9, 0-10, does, does 0-16 start to worry you as a head coach? No. I, no. I don't I don't even have time to think about that. It's We just we, we don't want to be 0-11. We want to go get this win. and We got on that airplane thinking we were going to go to Oakland to win the game. You know, and in the fourth quarter, we thought we were going to win the game. And it's it's uh, extremely frustrating when you don't. You put in all that work, and you feel like, all right, we're going to go get this finally, and then you don't. But you got to regroup. you got no choice. you got to keep your head up, and uh, we got to go play a team that's, that's um, you know, we we got to get after these guys this week. You know, and it's a, it's a tough opponent for us. And um, so our guys are looking to rebound. But we can't think that far down the road. we just got to focus on this Sunday. So there was that, uh, you know, I, I will say, I, I do think that there's only so many ways you can handle the questions about going 0 and 16. And I, you know, I think you handle it the same way you do if you're 10 and 0. It's just, you just try to focus on week to week and not address big picture stuff like that. You only go wrong doing it. So I think that's the right thing, but man, there's just no way that doesn't start to – it's not all the way into the players' heads at this point as you start to wonder where that win's coming from. And if you're going to – you know, the Jets are playing better. You've got the Browns are playing better. Miami's playing better. All these teams that you thought maybe you could get some wins against and and you're not playing that much better outside of, you know, now you're running the ball. Your defense played a little better, but now you've got it. You're now you're saddled with a quarterback that stinks. And I mean, we we kind of laugh and joke about the you know fight to the end and no quitting these guys and that kind of thing. But you, I mean, you got to wonder as it gets closer and closer. Yeah, they're not going to totally tank. You can't play football that way. You can't go half speed. But man, as it as it starts getting closer and closer to zero and sixteen, you just wonder how many of them are you know starting to partially check out. They're they're going to play on the field. They're, the energy or the effort's going to be there because, like I said, you can't play football that way. But but are you watching that extra film? Are, are, are you totally dialed in at practice during the week? Um, this, this is going to, I mean, Zach talks all the time about this is the toughest stretch these guys are ever going to go through. Maybe it's the six weeks coming up that is going to be the toughest stretch that him and the, that Zach and the rest of the coaches are going to go through because they, they've got to keep these guys dialed in. It, it can, it, I was going to say it could go south in a hurry. It's already south. I don't know how it can get any further south, but, but, it can get really bad if, if if you've got guys just going through the motions during the week. See, I I tend to believe that as it gets closer to zero and sixteen, the opposite effect will happen. That you will have a fight or flight pride kick in in these guys. Of it really means something to them to not go zero and sixteen, and and I think you know the idea of winning becomes a much more urgent prize. And, you know, not having that moniker strapped on them forever, I think, creates a little bit of intensity. 
And I, I wonder if that like, we'll find out, obviously. But I, 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 you know, I think that can also be part of an equi- the equation too, as it starts to get more serious in that regard. Um, so let's talk a little about the Senior Bowl. Um, so that's uh, it's played in in January, and usually have two teams with the worst records end up being on the coaching staff. It can be a pretty big advantage. Um, the Bengals last were the were on the staff there in 2011, and that was you know obviously coming off that disastrous year and Carson's threatening retirement, and they made Bob Ratkowski go down there and coach, and then fired him afterwards, <laughs> and it was bad. But they also saw on the opposing team, but you know out out there as well, uh, Andy Dalton, and were able to get a better feel for him down there. Um, you see a lot of these players up close and personal. Last year, the coaching staffs were Oakland and San Francisco. I think Bengals fans might have a pretty good view of how effective Oakland's draft might have just been. Uh, whether you're talking about Max Crosby, whether you're talking about you know all these do Trayvon Mullen, these dudes that were all just making plays. San Francisco found found Debo Samuel down there, drafted him. He's been really explosive for them. It's not, you know some huge game changer of an advantage, but it's an advantage. And I think getting to see how players respond to your coaching, getting a really clo- a much closer look at them, even whether it's in meetings or just the, your basic interactions can be helpful and can give you a feel for if you feel like you've got the right guys and see some stuff that other teams don't get to see in the, in the process. And there's a lot of good players down at the senior bowl that this that could be a, a a nice turn of events for for the Bengals for sure. Yeah, that, I mean that is what it is about because all the coaching staffs are down there, so they all see the same stuff. But it's it's getting to know these players on a on a personal level and, and seeing you know what they're all about, and that you know it, there's a ripple effect to that too because if if you get to know these guys really well at the Senior Bowl, you don't need to you know, burn visits and at the combine and after the combine, bringing them in and that kind of stuff. It can let you go in other directions to, to get a closer look at even more players, some guys that weren't at the senior bowl that maybe you, you wouldn't have had a chance to get to. So, I mean, just, just look at where the Raiders and 49ers are right now. It's not because they were at the senior bowl, but they both had pretty impressive turnarounds this year. And I, I, it would be interesting to see, I, it would, you know, if, if the Bengals played, the, the Raiders and, and 49ers a little bit later in the season, it would be interesting to kind of get Kyle and, and John Gruden's thoughts on, on how much that did actually help. I'm, I'm sure they've, it was something they talked about earlier in the year leading it to the start of the season, but it'd be interesting to kind of revisit that with those guys and, and see how much of an advantage they really think it was. Yeah. I mean, there, it, it, it will be something to track and certainly we'll make that weekend in mobile, uh, a lot more interesting for, for everybody. And so we, we look forward to that, but that's something to think about uh, going forward as, um, the Bengals track in that direction to try to hold on to this number one pick. Can a weekend in one... mobile even get more interesting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first experience last year and it was, it was, uh, it was, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It was the weather wasn't good. It, it, it's just kind of a just a the, the cattle call. Uh, and, and most fans probably have never seen it, but that when they parade those guys out on stage and just their underwear and all those all those yeah, I, I choose not to attend that. Yeah, that's it's a little unnerving. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, it, there's there's a lot of things that Senior Bowl week is good for. Um, and it's pro- <laughs> it's not usually what you'd think it would be. The access it, – it, certainly the access for players isn't particularly great. It's okay. Um, and, you know, you're, you're not even there for the game. Like, you just go for the couple days of practices and stuff and, and you can – you know, see a lot of the staff is down there, but it's not—it's um, not exactly what you would what you would think. All right, let's take a quick break from this Bengals talk and and remind you that look, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves. We say things like "I lost my mojo" or "We avoided all together with excuses like I had a long day at work." Sorry, honey, I'm not feeling it. Or the Bengals make me too sad. Uh, but with Roman, look, it's easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who could prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you and find your best treatment plan. If medication's appropriate, Roman ships it to you with free two-day shipping. Whole process, straightforward, simple, discreet. Getting started is simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash Growlin and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Growlin to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Growlin for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash growling. Let's go Jay's Jay's sad stats. Jay, you've got some sad stats. What uh what do you got? I do. I was starting to wonder where, you know, they they not scored more than seventeen in, in five straight games. They haven't scored more than twenty three all year. I was so I was wondering what what is the worst offense in terms of points that the Bengals have ever had? And uh right now this is the they're Fourteen point seven points per game. If that holds up, it would be the the fifth worst in franchise history. They're not getting anywhere close to the two thousand team. The two thousand team only averaged eleven point six points per game, and the nineteen ninety three team only averaged eleven point seven. I mean, just look at the total. That that two thousand team scored one hundred eighty five points. The Bengals are at one forty seven right now. That means they would have to only score what? Quick math here: thirty seven the rest of the year in six games. That's not happening. They're not gonna they're not gonna set that record. Um, but they are on pace for the worst scoring margin per game. Uh, right now, they've been outscored by 12.9. Um, they, uh, the previous worst was the 1998 team was outscored by 11.5. So that one is is definitely in play. If, if the 12.9 holds up, it would be the four, 34th worst since the NFL merger among all teams. And then the... Uh, the yards differential per game they've been out they've been out gained by 116 yards per game that would be the worst in franchise history this is like a bookend stat the the four worst seasons in Bengals history in terms of yards differential per game are the first two seasons in franchise history and the last two in franchise history uh, wow the, the 1969 team uh, gave up 104 point or they were outgained by 104.9 per game. That's that's the worst. And like I said, the Bengals are at 116 right now, so they are they are quite a bit above that. 
But the one that really we've talked about this, there's been games where they've given up like eight yards per play. And, you know, it's like you're almost giving up a first down on every play. Um, in terms of yards allowed per play, they are at 6.63 right now. Uh, the record uh, in the since the merger of 1970 was the 2015 Saints gave up 6.64. So the Bengals are one <laughs> one hundredth of a yard away from that. And, you know, I looked at the, the 10 worst uh, seasons in terms of yards allowed per play and, and who those defensive coordinators were. And there's some, I mean, there's some guys on there. Uh, Paul Gunther, his Raiders last year were 10th on that list. Um, Dom Capers, Gunther Cunningham, Steve Spagnolo. Um, there's guys on there that, that, you know, were much earlier in their careers and, and they got things turned around. So you look at a guy like Lou Anarumo, if, if we're looking for a positive spin, this is his, his first shot at being a, a defensive coordinator. So it, it, it's not like things can't get better, but yeah, I mean, 6.63 yards per game. That's, I'm sorry, per play. That's, you just can't win playing that kind of defense. And, it's interesting. I said the Saints were 6.64 for the worst ever. The 2012 Saints were 6.47. They were their third worst. So the the Saints in the last decade have two of the worst yards per play numbers in NFL history. Well, not in NFL history since the merger, but the Bengals are right there. And you look at, you know, they're they're going against the Steelers. Um, I don't know. You know, the Dolphins, the Jets don't really scare you, but we, the, the Browns have kind of started turning things around. I, I could see Baker getting hot and, and really hitting them for some big plays there. It's, that is definitely. There's no team. There is no team that can't torch this defense if they want to. Yeah. They, they showed some signs of life on Sunday, and I'll credit them with that. Watching Jesse Bates and Carl Lawson actually start to make some plays gives you some hope, but there is no team that can't run it up on this team right now. Potentially. I mean, we've seen enough of it that it's all in play. Yeah, that's, that's a brutal. I mean, that is just a brutal, brutal stat. But yeah. I will say this, and we've been pointing this out the last few weeks as we've talked about some of these crazy numbers, and that is point the finger at Lou Anarumo all you want, and certainly the coaches are always on the hook for the performance of their team. But this is now technically three different coordinators that have coached these players, and none of them have been able to get anything really that good out of them. You could argue Marvin last year got did the best job for the last those last however many games. Terrell Austin tried and couldn't do it, and it was a mess. Luan Rumo picks it up, different system, same players, and it's a mess. As we continue to say, maybe it's not the coaches. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's, it's they pretty, have no talent. Yeah, it's apparent it's not the coaches. I mean, it can, maybe it's both, but we know that it is the players. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like you, said, we've been talking about for a while that that defense is going to get gutted this year, and that's just that just goes back to the the Senior Bowl. It's you're 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 those are guys at the Senior Bowl. Those aren't the Joey Bows. Is the guys that are your the you know the Joe Burrow. Those guys that are going to be in play in round one. Those are the guys that you're going to be taken to kind of in rounds three, four, five to to bolster out that defensive room and and that's where that's really going to come in handy is, is getting to know those guys a little bit better than you would in a normal draft process. And there'll be some guys that will be in the, you know, the, the, the first, second round for sure. You, you'll, you see it every year. Uh, and, and there's a, a lot of chances to, uh, 
to get to know them that way as well. Um, let's go. Let's let's jump in and and do a little bit of um, run passer boot time. I think I've got. I think I've got a pretty good one. Okay, if, All you, right. if you're ready, I am ready. All right. Considering what we've seen from Ryan Finley so far, considering what we know uh, of what direction this could go in, quarterback for the Bengals in their season finale game, which is that is at Cleveland, right? I think it's home with Cleveland. Yeah, it's it's home. home. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. Home game against Cleveland. Home finale. Quarterback for the Bengals in that game. Finley, Dalton, Dolagala, Jay Morrison, run passer boot. And this is tough because I, I guess it th- there needs to be a qualifier if if they're 0-15 going into that game. Um, but without knowing that, um, I'm st- I'm going to run with Ryan Finley. I just you know unless something happens where he has a season-ending injury, I, I think they're they're going to ride with him and, until the year is over. That the big question then becomes if if there is an injury, um, when it comes, because if it if it's this week, then yeah, they probably turn back to Andy Dalton. Uh, if it's if it comes in week 16, then maybe they do just throw Jake Dolagala in there. But but I think most likely. If, if something happens to Ryan Finley, we would see Andy Dalton in that game. So I, I'm going to run with Ryan Finley. I'm going to pass on Andy Dalton. I'm going to boot Jake Dolagala. I, I think maybe if he gets a chance, if there is an injury, uh, maybe they make him active in case that game gets out of hand and they can take a look at him in the second half. But I just I don't see him starting that game. I don't know if I'm going to surprise you with this. I am running like the wind with Andy Dalton. Hmm. I think one of two scenarios seem plausible to me. One, Ryan Finley gets hurt between now and then, like, or something happens. That, that seems possible. Two, he's so bad, they already know kind of their evaluation of him. And I think there is a feeling of feeling like they didn't quite do Andy right yeah. and wish they wish it wouldn't have been like this for him and a chance to send him out. Imagine this. Just play this guy out for me for one second. Owen 15 Bengals. Bring Andy Dalton out off the shelf to save them from going 0-16 and – Gets them to a win over Cleveland. Finally gets the standing ovation and appreciation he all, he always deserved from a fan base that for so long couldn't stand him and staves off 0-16. They still get the number one pick and Andy gets his final moment and then they can trade him away and draft Joe Burrow and everybody moves on. This is the scenario I see playing out. I like I that. I see Andy Dalton. Yeah. I, that's that's how I think it is because here's the thing: if you've already made your evaluation of Ryan Finley and he's just not good enough, he, if he if he has two two to three more games that look like the two that we've seen, you cannot you've made your evaluation there. You have claimed that you do still care about winning games. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting Zach Taylor's answer to the question about if Andy Dalton if he if you really care about games, do you really think that Andy Dalton 
or that Ryan Finley gives you the best chance of winning. He never said, I think Ryan Finley gives me the best chance of winning. He said he, he gives us a up. chance. He gives us a chance. He wouldn't be in there if he didn't give us a chance to win. Exactly. But it is not the best chance. We all know it's not the best chance. Yeah. There's no way anybody could claim that Ryan Finley would give you a better chance of winning games than Andy Dalton. There's no way. And we understand it. It's a hedged tank. I get it. You're totally hedge tanking here. It's like, we don't want to say we're tanking, but it's sort of a version of tank. And that's fine. But once you've seen that, once you've made that call and you know, like, you're 0-15 or you're 1-14 and and you're going to have the number one pick anyway, give Andy a chance to go out and because he does give you a best chance to win a game and and go play and, and leave his final stamp on it. That's why I'm running like hell with Andy Dalton. And I think Finley might get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's always so I'll say, Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and, and I'm tempted to pass Dolagala and boot Finley. But I do, I think there's a, at the very least, there's a chance that Finley, they still want to continue to see him more and just let him ride it out and finish it, finish out the eight games. But if, if it continues to look bad, there's going to be a piece of them saying, well, let's just see what the other guy looked like. You know, we know he's got the big arm. Yeah. Let him throw it deep to John Ross. Or AJ if he's Who bad. knows? Or, right. <laughs> I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, sure. But no, I, I was going to uh, say, there's always ulterior motives to these kind of decisions too. And if, this is a, I mean, they're, they're going to do whatever they can to trade Andy next offseason. And yeah, he's got enough tape out there. People know what he is. But if you can put that little bit of extra out there where he, he comes off the bench and, and plays really well and leads him to a win in week 17 and maybe the Browns are playing for a playoff spot and, and he knocks them off. And that's just that little bit of extra juice you can use. Sorry, that's a Ryan Finley term, but that's just that little bit extra, uh, variable you can throw in there when you start talking trade in the offseason and say look you know Andy's he he's he can still win games for people I think yeah I I think people know that I don't think that that's I don't think they would need another game for that I mean he's got years he's in he's in his prime still yeah he's not this is not a guy who's 42 I mean he's 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 in his early 30s and he's won plenty of games. You know his. He has enough tape out there. You know who you're getting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just I would personally like to see it for a chance for because I, I I've kind of been saying this. It is amazing what this season has done to the Bengals fans that's that remain. Somehow this season turned Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton into beloved sympathetic figures, <laughs> like just. The odds of that happening before this season started had to have been z- just zero. And now people are like, oh, you know what, Marv? Maybe we underappreciated him. Oh, Andy, maybe we underappreciated him. And it's like, it's wow. This is where we've ended up. Talk about your all-time upsets. If that standing ovation happens and, and Andy Dalton goes running off after beating Cleveland in Week 17, do you, do you think he just kind of waves and heads to the tunnel? Or would he do like a, a Cal Ripken lap around the field slapping fans with all the, all the fans? I think, I think there. Andy would do, would do a absolute lap around. I mean, that would be would awesome. Kill, he would do what he always does. He'd kill him with kindness. Yeah. He would do what he always does. He would embrace him. He, he would try to find a way. He'd like do a video on Instagram afterwards, like in tears to thank everybody. I mean, I, you know, you know how it would be. It's always, it's always going to be that killing with kindness with him. It's, that's and and um, that's just who he is. You know what the and under? I you, oh, I'd sorry. love to see it. Yeah, I was going to say. You know what the underrated 
greatness of that moment would be is not watching Andy get his due that regard, but but watching all the photographers trying to run alongside of him for that moment, tripping over each other and falling down. And I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these guys are our friends, but I still I would love to see that all the TV guys and the, the camera guys running along trying to get that shot of Andy slapping hands with the fans, and it just it just looks like a NASCAR pileup. Every- <laughs> just remember everybody this is for the true the true ones that are that are listening this this late into a into a podcast of a team that's zero and 10 you heard it here first i'm calling it i'm calling it week 17 andy dalton going for it i'm calling it uh all right we can do you did you have a run pastor brood i don't want to skip it over if you have yeah one. i have a i have one for you um all right let's go Okay, little. We had this horrible experience trying to get into the the stadium at Oakland. There's there's just no signage anywhere for where these lots are, and so at one point we're sitting in this horrible traffic, and it's it's basically we've already missed our gate, which we didn't know at the time we'd missed. We're sitting in this horrible traffic, and it's it's backed up, and it's it's actually two lanes merging into one, and. It's getting hot. I can't figure out the air conditioner in the rental car. So I got my window down and this car pulls next to us and I hear, Hey, sir, sir, can we get in front of you? And I, <laughs> normally I'm like that. I'm that jerk that is like right on the bumper of the guy in front of me. No one's getting in front of me. We call him a knife on, not in front of me. And, <laughs> and that's the way I drive. So this, I hear this and, I, and it's a female voice and I look over and it's, it sounds like a nice friendly voice and I look over and there's a guy, a big guy in the passenger seat with half of his, not just face, his entire head painted black and the other half painted gray and there's a guy in the back seat in like an Oakland Raider, um, what's the guy, Hannibal Lecter type mask. And it's like, uh, yeah, 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 go right ahead. You <laughs> get in front of us. I'm not tell, telling those guys no and who knows what will happen to us. But because of that, I, I'm thinking for you, Paul, where you spend so many games in the press box, it, run, pass, or boot for you to go to a game as a fan, would you go to an Everton game with a bag over your head, like we saw some Bengals fans with bags over their head? Would you go to an OU Miami game, half green, half white, not just face, entire head, or – purple pinstripe suit with matching fedora for a Kentucky Derby race. Oh, what would be your favorite get up go to a game wow. of a band? That's a that's a bold suit. <laughs> <laughs> uh I would say I would I would definitely run with the half green, half white OU Miami. I it's it's one of the few teams that I still like we'll we'll rep with just complete abandon and not really caring about anything and be dumb about. I still still have love for the alma mater, so I w- I would do that. That would be my run. I will pass. <laughs> I'll pass on the purple pinstripe suit because hey, I'm at the Kentucky Derby. I look like a complete fool, but there's a lot of people that look like fools. I mean, there's <laughs> the hats that are that are on there. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm feeling okay. And I'm at the Kentucky Derby. I don't like it, but I'm at the Kentucky Derby. And I'm not wearing a bag to anything. I'm just not. I'm just, I'm not wearing a bag. And I'm certainly not going to do it to the one time I go to see Everton. 
play, even if I may not like them. And I don't know if like maybe bags aren't even a thing and people will be really confused about what I was trying to do over there. Like I, I just would rather if I was going to go, I'd like be able to see it and not have to look through those little like squinty holes. So which, by the way, I do believe that there will be a story about people who wear bags over their heads coming in our future. I, I owe it to Kat. Kat, <laughs> Kat Terrell has been discussing with us how much she wants us to do a story on the people who wear bags over their heads. And I do feel like – did you see someone with a, who – the guys who had the bag over their heads tweeted at us? No. Did you see this? Yeah. So we got – so shout out to those guys uh, because we were tweeting about the dudes in the middle of the black hole – in the bright orange paper bags, there was three of two or three of them down there, and they just they popped like nobody's business down there. And so we we referenced them and and uh, in a tweet and then had a photo. And the guy tweeted that I, we would have loved to have your company down there. It got pretty quiet, especially uh, we got pretty lonely, especially when the Bengals started doing good. And I'm like, first of all, I was not going down in that black hole. No, like that's just not a thing I'm gonna do. And it's nothing against them. I just don't feel like that's a place that I should be. And uh, so I, but I, I am, I am intrigued by it. I do feel like there will be a home game in our future where I'll, I'll, I'll go with the bag people. Maybe I'll wear a bag. Should I wear a bag? Oh yeah, that would be great. Because you, the, the worst part I'll about wear wearing a bag, a bag what would my you... bag say? What, what should my bag say? Hmm. We'll have to figure should that, that should... out. Yeah, it have to say something about being like a, you know, being a bad scribe. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, who's the who's the number one scribe pick? You know, I don't know. I don't. We have to think about that. I would. Th- well, that's what I want to know. Shout shout us out if you're listening to this and you're still into it. When we do the bag, if I'd wear a bag on my head and do a bagman story, what should be on my paper on the front of my paper bag? So you see a lot of bungle for Burrow. We saw what did we see? Chasing Young. Uh, yeah, chasing you know, young, see, not chasing wins, or chase young, yeah, not, not wins. Ch- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we, that's all after. What should be on my bag? Hit me up at Paul Daner Jr. Uh, and, and let me know what you think would should be in my bag if I do if I become a bag man. I was gonna say uh, that the best part about that because you wear a bag down there, you you're, you can't drink, you're working. So that's that's the worst part of wearing a bag. I did that as a Halloween costume one time, and it was I just took the bag off because you you can't drink, you can't have a hole big enough to to drink. It just gets the bag wet and soggy, and so yeah, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna be drinking anyhow, that's a great and I and I think that was a brilliant move by those guys because if if you're gonna go to a game and sit in the black hole and wear the opposing team colors, you're taking your life in your hands. But if you put bags over your head and you're essentially rooting against your team while, you know, maybe secret secretly rooting for them, that, that kind of, that kind of saves you from the abuse. It's yeah. like, Oh, let's not pick on these guys. They're, you know, they, they got bags on their head. They're, they're kind of rooting against their <laughs> team. How sad they are. <laughs> you can't, you can't punch someone who has a bag on his head. No. You can't do, and you're basically, they're announcing, we're here rooting with you, Oakland. Like, there's, you should never, we're on the same team here. It's a chance to wear your colors and be on the same team as the black hole. I, I totally commend those guys and, and thanks for shouting us out, uh, on Twitter. I do, if, if, if you do ever happen to come to a Bengals game, wear a bag on your head, tweet at us again and we'll come, we'll come down and say hello. And if you plan on wearing bags to your head, Tweet at me too, and I'll come be your a bag man with you. <laughs> that will be a great story. And and, and you you mentioned that you know, cat cat kind of uh, brought brought that to our attention of possibly doing that. That was the underrated trip or part of the trip to Oakland because 
I, we, we talked on the walkout about how I had this horrible flight back where I had to go through Atlanta, then Detroit, then Cincinnati. Well, I'm on the plane in Atlanta, and that, that was like the only time I got any sleep is we're sitting on the plane getting ready to take off, and I'm out of it. I totally missed the announcement, and this woman next to me pokes me, and she's like, excuse me, sir, they just said we had to deplane. And I'm like, what? And they canceled the flight for – they said the plane we were on couldn't handle bad weather. So we had to switch planes. And because of that, I missed my connection through Detroit. So I had to completely rebook my trip and go through Tampa. And I'm just sitting there just out of it in the Tampa airport. And then the gate next to me, who do I see in line to get on the plane but Kat coming back from covering the Saints at Tampa Bay game. So I got to go up and chat with her for a little bit. And I would have got a picture, but I don't think either one of us were feeling too great at the moment. And it wasn't uh, it wasn't the time to get a picture. But that, that was really cool to see her. I look up and I see this this blonde in a – the athletic hat. I was like, that kind of looks like Cat. And I realized she's got an LSU shirt on. I was like, that is Cat. That is. <laughs> that, 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 yeah. well, that would have been a perfect opportunity. You should have taken a picture of the two of you guys with bags on your head. Oh, that would yeah. Have been the best way to do it. It would have been perfect. Would have been perfect. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I like it. So hopefully, hopefully, if you're listening to this, fire your responses to us uh, on Twitter at Paul Danger Jr. I, I want to know. Uh, I want to hear from you, and let's let's go for it. Let's go for it. I, I love it. All right, we'll wrap it up. Do you have anything you'd like to add, Jay? Any more sad stats uh, or, or stories? Or do we? What's going on? In, what's going on in Hamilton this week? Anything? Anything good happening in Hamilton? We could tie everything up in everything up in one comment right here um i i've been so busy i've not been able to rake my leaves so i'm like that guy in the neighborhood my entire yard is covered in leaves so today it with no access down at the stadium my plan is to go out there and tackle my leagues leaves and i I think i'll do it with a bag on my head since i'm the shame of the neighborhood (laughs) with with all these leaves still in my yard so and maybe maybe yeah maybe when I'm done I'll go get some Arby's and just just make it a, a fantastic day. <laughs> nothing nothing makes you feel better after having a long day of raking leaves with a bag in your head like a crappy beef and cheddar that'll give you indigestion. <laughs> I don't do beef and cheddars. I agree. That is like the one. That is the one thing at Arby's that I, I do not like. That that cheese. I'm not even sure if it is cheese, but. <laughs> there, are, there are plenty of other menu options to satisfy the palate. Oh, yeah. Plenty to satisfy you. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to hear that podcast. Growling, we will, of course, be back on Thursday. Uh, I'll be talking to Mark Caboli. Uh, we will have Joe Goodberry on to go over some film review and, uh, all the normal things that we do. Predictions, growler bet, yada, yada, yada. It'd be a great time. We'll see you then. And then, of course, uh, Bengals, Steelers Sunday. We'll have the walkout for you, uh, after that. Thanks to everybody for listening. And for those that subscribe, thank you for subscribing to The Athletic. We'll talk to you next time.